Welcome back to episode number four of the Backlash Podcast. Tonight, I'm joined by Brad Hoppy from Muskie Mayhem Tackle, and we also have Todd Schultz with Muskie Moon Guide Service. Hey, Todd, how are you doing tonight? Good. How are you guys doing? We're both doing really good, I think. Uh, you guys just had your Wisconsin opener, and I'm sitting over here still waiting another four days, five days, something like that, to uh, to start my musky season. Sure, sure. Yeah, it was a crazy opener for us up here. Um, definitely, looking back, uh, we are definitely a few weeks behind as far as like water temps and fish activity. Uh, the spawn, but uh, we did run into on opening weekend or on opening day, I should say. We had uh, we had really cool water temps. Uh, we maxed out on that one body of water we were on at 57 uh, late afternoon, but contacted. We ended up boating a fish, uh, contacted a few fish, and then uh, yesterday was absolutely crazy. Um, I've never in all my years have seen this many fish in one day we had 18 fish up and uh we had one real nice fish that was missed uh boat side but uh, it was crazy and then today we knew we had you know east winds a uh, bunch of rain coming and uh we still we had one uh, real big fish that came up straight off the bottom at boat side and she laid by the boat for i want to say 15 seconds and just stared at uh at our lures and had no interest you could see she was pretty scarred up you know she was just out recovering from the spawn but uh contacted a lot of fish this weekend super cool so you kind of touched on it there you said all your years how many years have you been guiding and why don't you tell all the listeners a little bit about uh who you are too uh todd and and your guide service name, and as Jeff had already said, but give us some background. Sure. Well, uh, I own own and operate Muskie Moon Guide Service out of Merrill, Wisconsin. I guide on over 18 bodies of water throughout uh, Lincoln, Oneida, and Vilas counties. Um, I've been muskie fishing for over 30 years, to be exact. I think it's close to 33. Started at a very young age. Um, my uncle got me addicted to it, so... Thank you. Um, seven years I've been in business as a guide. Um, it kind of fell into something I never thought about doing. I enjoy taking people out and just fishing with people, taking newcomers and showing them what musky fishing is about. And it was actually my wife and son that said, hey, why don't you start guiding? And never, honestly, never considered it. And uh, seven years ago, we started Muskie Moon Guide Service. And um, that name, uh, I always get asked why I came up with that name. My first 50-plus-inch fish came on a new moon phase at 10, 11 p.m. in 2011 on July 2nd. <laughs> um, I was told, everybody who told me I was crazy, I had some buddies of mine that told me, you're absolutely crazy fishing night muskies on a new moon nobody does that i says well <laughs> i got a major i'm going my son and i had that fish up the weekend before so buddy and i went out on that uh that day and um i told him i said no matter what we have to get to this spot and uh ended up casting out got followed up on some weeds and um 
I just remember turning my headlamp on, cleaning the weeds off, and I made a cast. And I'm like, oh, this is a wasted cast. I forgot to turn my headlamp off. And we watched that fish crush at both sides. It was 52 and a half. Awesome. And uh, so that's basically how the name Musky Moon came came about, because I'm a firm believer in uh, the moon faces. Obviously, weather trumps that, but uh, I'm a big follower of the uh, moon faces. Yeah, I got a little static here like a week ago talking about uh, some moon phases from Jeff, correct? <laughs> uh, you might. I mean, I, I gave you more static about how you get your information versus actually like <laughs> subscribing to the to the moon phase theories. I subscribe to them too, but, you know, Brad probably still gets a newspaper delivered to his front porch every day, whereas the rest of us, we've given that up about 10 years ago. So that's pretty much why, <laughs> what the static I was giving you. Uh, you're right um i am pretty old school there's no doubt about it but some of that comes with the age you're not that much older than me that's the problem you're not that much older how old are you brad like 46 47 uh actually i'll be 49 tomorrow all right well then you look better than you look better than uh 49 you look a little younger (laughs) except for those glasses that's kind of throwing me off a little bit i remember you 19 years ago or whatever and it there was no glasses, so that still throw me off. Yeah, the cheaters um, are probably going to end up getting replaced here pretty soon, unfortunately. I uh, I feel like I had a good run, but you know what? Um, things are getting tough. <laughs> I'm losing my eyesight, at least close up. So, Sure, it, sure. It is what it is. So, Todd, um, you said that you've been fishing for muskies for 30 years. Um, yes, sir. Why muskies? I mean, aside from your uncle, was was there interest in in them before that? Uh, no, I uh, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say no. When I was about ten years old, my uncle took me out on uh, Lake Pewaukee. I was born and raised down in the Milwaukee area before I moved north in '97. But uh, he took me out, and he'd have me fish for bass and he'd fish for muskies. And I couldn't tell you how big the muskie was that he caught in front of me. And I asked him, I said, hey, I want to fish for that. And he's like, ah, kid, this isn't for you. So that Christmas, he bought me a rod and reel, and uh, he bought me two lures, a black and nickel bucktail and an all-black unweighted suet. He said, this is all you need. And um, that following year, I was 11 years old. He took me out on opening day, and uh, he had me at the dock casting and he says, all right, you're ready. Jumped in the boat. We went out to the first spot. And uh, he says, all I want you to do is cast that suet out. And he says, when it hits the water, I want you to count to three and give it one pull. Let it rise all the way to the surface. Give it another pull. And it was my third pull. I landed my first fish on my very first cast monkey fish. It was 37 and a half, and I was hooked. So that was, yeah. So I, I, got, I got hit with the sickness at, the, at a young age. Well, that's a pretty cool story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super cool. Yeah. It's too bad that as a retailer, I got to disagree with your uncle. You're going to need a heck of a lot more baits than that. Two baits. Yeah. Two baits isn't going to get it done. <laughs> well, I think I think that was his way of just saying, "Hey, kid, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna contribute to your your habit now. This is all you need." And obviously, yeah, it uh, blew up from there. But I mean, I got I got. There is some truth to what he tells you. Like, you know, a bucktail and a suic. If you were going to pick two baits to to just use constantly, those aren't bad choices. 
No, right, right. I remember looking at his arsenal, and I'm like, well, what about this or what about that? Nope, you don't need that kid. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, Brad, you'll probably agree there's different tactics and different tools for different days depending upon where you're fishing yep. and, you know, all all the different factors that come into musky fishing. But, I mean, surprisingly, 30 years later, those those two baits still apply. Yeah, you know, there's always those main staples in the in the sport of musky fishing and and those old names. I mean, it's hard to beat any of them. It really truly right. is. And and um, it's a neat sport in that atmosphere, in that respect. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> there's just so many of those staples that still today are concrete baits that will never go away. You know, and it's a cool deal. A lot right. of history. Right. The funny part about all that is you taught like you, okay, so those were main staples like 30 years ago and nobody ever thought to use rubber for a musky bait. And now everything's got to have rubber on it. They can't even throw a glide bait without a rubber tail on it. It seems like half the time it's just, it's crazy how much rubber has exploded in the last 20 years too. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. No, it's, it's, uh, there's so many different rubber baits now too, you know, I mean, you've got your staples. I mean, how many years has Musky Innovations been around? It's been... 25. I, I think it's actually a few more than that, isn't it, Jeff? Um, it might It might be. I could have sworn when I talked to Brad not that long ago that was 25, or maybe last year was his 25th year. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't remember exactly, but I, I mean, think about that. Um, it seems like yesterday when I first seen the first Bulldog. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Well, it's kind of funny. I think back to a story that Brad is telling me one time about his first show. Some customers walked past and basically like laughed at him, you know, like um, rubber for muskies. That'll never work. <laughs> Guess, yeah. yeah. Who's laughing now? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Look at it now. I had the similar experience. I remember our first uh, muskie show in Chicago. Guys were walking by and they're like, oh, Christmas tree ornaments, you know, with the flash of a skirting. And, um, we were getting made fun of the whole weekend, but you know, we uh, we sold some baits, and lo and behold, Flashaboo works for muskies. So yeah, it's, it, a, it's pretty bizarre, you know. I mean, you think outside the box, I guess, you know. Well, nowadays, at Flashaboo is probably way. It's probably the most used material in bucktails. I mean, you don't see much. You know, people some people want marabou, but that's not really used. Actual bucktail isn't even like a thing anymore, hardly. Right. It, it is and it isn't. You know what I mean? It's uh, like I, I think I said on the first uh, show that we did here, Jeff, you know, the non-bucktail, if you will. Right. Um, meaning it's not bucktail hair anymore. And um, it's interesting that things have changed that much. Um, so, yeah, you're right. It's uh, a unique world that we're, uh, we're doing some different stuff in the sport of musky fishing that hasn't been done before. So it's good stuff. So, um Todd, let's just try compare notes a little bit on uh, Wisconsin opener. I I didn't get out for as long as I wanted to. I had family come up on Saturday, which was sure. which was plenty fine. I mean, I I enjoy that time too. Um, yester- oh, yeah. Yesterday, I got out for six hours, five hours, whatever it was. So my plan going in was to fish shallow. Was that generally what you were thinking too for opener? Yes, absolutely. Um, just about every fish we contacted, especially a lot of the uh, the males, 
the smaller fish were definitely up. I'm saying anywhere from one to three feet of water. Um, the bigger fish that we did contact were anywhere from four to six feet of water. And anywhere that we found weeds or timber, that was obviously that timber, you know, was help holding some heat. Definitely. I mean, it was like, yes, I keep going back to yesterday because that was so crazy to move that many fish, but not even put one in the net. But it was a cool experience for my wife that has never seen that many fish out on the water. Right. And, uh, yeah, there was, it, everything was very shallow. You know, North Shore lines, your, your, uh, your, your shallow bays, yeah, that was, there was fish everywhere. Not to give secrets away or anything, but were you, I, I know up by you, there's a lot of rivers. Were you fishing lakes or were you fishing rivers? Um, opening day, we did a, we did a river, you know, flowage trip. Okay. And then we did, uh, lakes the last two days up in Northern Wisconsin. Okay. Um, so yeah, anyways, like, but the one thing you had talked about was lower water temperatures. Now, granted yesterday, I didn't get out until the afternoon. I fished from probably, oh, I don't know, two o'clock until I think I got off the water, like seven thirty ish somewhere in there. But I was actually surprised to see how warm the water temperatures were, uh, and I think it was probably our second episode, Brad, when we talked about season preview. I thought we were going to be dealing with water temperatures that were in the low 50s. And now keep in mind, Saturday was warm, and yesterday was warm too, and they were both really sunny. I was fishing a right. dark stained water, but I saw water temperatures as high as like 64 degrees. Wow. That, that kind of surprises me, actually, especially with all the rain that we talked about we've been having. And... Now that that I I didn't I don't know what they were on Saturday I didn't get out and you know I didn't get out to check them but I was surprised by that and I took and I was multiple different spots and my surface like the my uh, transducer that was actually behind me in the boat was actually a few degrees higher that one was up to like sure. sixty five so I, I I didn't know if that was actually accurate now agreed or I'll, I will say that the water I was on was definitely stained. I mean, you can't see a fish more than, I don't know, 12 inches behind your bait probably. So I know that that makes a difference. And we obviously had a lot of sun over the first two days of the weekend. Um, but that was the one thing that I was surprised by. I also found, uh, that there was some new green weed growth on the lakes that I was on. Did you find the same thing? Yes, definitely. The last two days today, we didn't find any, we didn't find any um, new weed growth. But the last two days, uh, opening day and then yesterday, we did. And the one muskie that I had up definitely was relating to that weed growth. And I'm assuming he was just in there roaming around in the weeds, you know, basically feeding on panfish. Right, right. You know, back to the water temperatures, Jeff and Brad. Um, so Saturday morning when we got out, we were fishing uh, with, uh, Wisconsin River system and flowage. We got out in the morning, we had uh, 55 degrees, and I knew it was going to be tough. We had a lot of rain, and up here in northern Wisconsin, we're pumping a lot of water through the dams right now. And uh, the warmest spot we found was 58, and that was at 3.30 in the afternoon. Um, it's still so remarkable. I, I wouldn't have thought that you guys would be that warm, but you know, your stained water is a little different scenario right. than we have here in Minnesota and a lot of the lakes. So, right. So what I, you know, 
typically do is opening weekend. I really don't book trips. I mean, if somebody called and said, Hey, I want an opening weekend trip. Of course, I'm not going to deny that I'm going to take them out, but it's kind of my weekend to kind of fish in my regions a little bit, see what's going on. So we gambled yesterday. We knew we had high skies with a few clouds coming in the afternoon. So we went out to a, a clear body of water yesterday and I was shocked that we were at 58 degrees to start out with. And by the end of the day, we were at 66. Well, that makes me happy. Uh, yeah. My, my opener coming up here, it'd be pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. Yes. <laughs> yep. Well, like I said, Brad, I mean, after what I saw, like I said, episode two, we talked about it season preview. I listened to it today and I definitely thought that we'd be looking at low fifties for water temps because nothing's been warm up here. And like, like uh, Todd had talked about, and we've alluded to multiple times is how much rain that we've begotten. Well, right. 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 And you know, that rain has been a cool, a really probably cooler than normal. I would say rains, you know, I mean, it, it, the air temps have been just kind of brutal, but you know, um, when the sun does come out, there's definitely a lot of power in that sun right now. So, Right. It's doing a better job than we think it is, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, yesterday I was on the water with shorts and a t-shirt, and, you know, it was it was warm. I, guess, I mean, I definitely felt warm yesterday. Now, granted, it was, the, I'd say, the nicer of the two days just because you weren't dealing with that heavy wind. Where you were, Todd, I'm assuming you were dealing with it because you weren't. I'm in Oneida County, so I'm guessing you weren't too far from where I was, and it was blowing like crazy on Saturday. Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was... Uh... When, I always put it this way. If you're on a river and you have white caps on the, on the river, you know it's windy. Yeah, so we had, we had some brutal winds on uh, Saturday. Good stuff. Well, so you did uh, you did land some fish, though, too, correct? Yeah, we, got, we ended up with one on uh, opener. And uh, we missed, uh, I shouldn't say we, I uh, lost one that afternoon as well. And uh, we had opportunities yesterday. You can, blame, you can blame that on your wife. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. I, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was crazy. No, it was a crazy. And that was a good fish that I lost, but hey, we don't win them all. I mean, that's what keeps us going back. And like I always say, if it was easy, everybody would do it. No doubt about it. So tell us about what kind of tactics you were trying this weekend and why. Um, well, when I seen the water temps opening day through, I keep a, I keep a log book for the last, this will be year 13. And I got real, real in depth with a log book. So when I look back at my notes in my off season and right before the season starts, I go back through and just kind of gaze through it. And, um, I've never had much luck with blades on a real cool water temps. So my first tactic was some, you know, one of us was going to throw a jerk bait. One was going to throw, start out with a glider. And when we started producing fish, we stuck with that. Um, my wife did throw blades for a while, uh, slow rolled, uh, some junior cowgirls. She tried out the single girl, which she absolutely fell in love with. So I think I'm going to have to, uh, make sure I lock up my tackle box so she doesn't try to hide them for herself. But, uh, <laughs> yesterday obviously the warmer water temps we stuck with the same plan uh she did start out with blades in the morning slow rolling blades 
and uh, with nothing. As uh, soon as she went to uh, her Suic, I stuck with a Phantom, and it was just uh, we. It was just fish after fish. I mean, we kept moving fish, and uh, we figured, hey, one of these times we got to get one to eat, and we had one. Or I should say she had one up that was about to eat, and in her defense, she wasn't sure what to do in that situation. And uh, like I told her, I said, that fish is going to dictate when and what it's going to eat. Uh, you could have stuck with what, what I would have done. It probably still wouldn't eat. But just judging, reading that fish, it, it looked like she was getting ready to eat. But uh, yeah, we our whole plan was to fish shallow, um, find, you know, weeds and wood. And we found that, and that's where the fish were. Um, so we just stuck with the game plan. Uh, I was going to throw rubber for a while, but it was hard to kind of unhook and change lures when we were having success on moving fish. Makes sense. I mean, you know, it's one of them deals. We talked about it here a couple episodes ago about when we change baits and, and tactics. And, you know, it's, it's not always an easy choice. And when no. you're having action, you know, when do you unplug and, and try something different? It's, it's a difficult uh, situation when you're moving well, fish. Like what I, what I do typically with clients, when there's three of us in a boat, I'm old school. So I have somebody up front throwing blades. Um, when it's top water time, somebody's up in the middle throwing top water and I'm cleaning up the back with usually uh, a glider, a jerk or rubber. You know, I, um, I, I really don't care what I'm throwing, but people often ask me, Hey, how long do you, keep this lure hooked up and and my rule of thumb and this is just 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 me not saying it's what everybody has to do well my rule of thumb is two to three hours or two different spots of of that body of water we're fishing now if i if i have say if i had a i'll just give you a scenario if i had a six inch um phantom soft tail on and i'm starting to get a lot of you know, a few followers i will more than likely upsize and that's why i'm a guy that's real anal about making sure i have the same color in different sizes i would upsize and and vice versa if it's upsize i'll downsize with that same color pattern and you people would be amazed to see on what happens there's there's a high percentage chance chance that you'll get that fish to go and eat that's interesting uh, jeff probably likes to hear that being uh team rhino <laughs> oh yeah i mean well it's funny because uh a couple years ago at one of the shows i stopped by jeff's booth and i picked up a couple of these uh custom tro phantoms and i bought one of each size and a buddy of mine walked up and he's like well, I was going to buy the small one. And I said, oh, yeah, they're hanging over there. And he goes, oh, they're all gone. I said, that's right. I bought it. And he's like, seriously? I go, yeah. But he learned, too. He's like, I see your pattern. He goes, I see you have. You make sure that you have the same color in different sizes because it, that does, it does work. 
Makes good sense. I was going to say, the one thing about these stupid fish is there's a million ways to catch them, and you'll never, like, just because you think you got them figured out doesn't mean you always have them figured out. Nope, exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, typically when I'm when I'm out fishing, like we'll use this weekend, for example, I fish I fish by myself pretty often when I'm up north, um, mostly because sometimes I just like to play around with different stuff, try different things. Uh, try different spots, and sometimes I don't want guys being like, what are we doing this for, you know? Because sometimes I just like to, you know, sometimes it's just for me it's just about getting out. Now, I do like catching muskies. That's fun too, but sometimes it's fun for me to try to catch fish on different patterns and different spots and different baits. Yes. It's nothing yes. nothing to do with secrecy or anything like that. I mean, I certainly have no problems going fishing with other people. It's just that right. for me, I, I don't need to worry about it, and if I want to go out there for six hours and i want to quit i don't need to have the guy in the boat be like well why are we quitting now or if i want to go out there for 10 hours i don't uh, conversely i don't have to be have them going like i told my wife i was going to be home at 2 30 you know i don't have to worry about that either um right so right. the way i the way i have to fish is like yesterday for example i fished a shoreline that i have definitely caught and moved fish off of before so what i did is since i don't have the advantage of two different presentations going through or three different presentations through I ran it once and I ran it with a like a small twitch bait five inch twitch bait um and then I would swing swing the boat you know I'd basically start the big motor start back up on that same shoreline run the same shoreline down again with a different bait and that's sure that's kind of how I have to do it I fish way less spots than a lot of other people because I generally will try to make sure that I hit those spots multiple times especially if I think that they're good spots exactly and that and that's and that's a very good uh a good thing there jeff because um i'm very old school as far as if when i have known a good known fish spots that i've known that have been historically produced fish i will make a minimum of two passes on that spot before i leave that spot and what I'll t- typically do is say, we'll just say, for instance, if I start from the east heading west, when I get to the end of that area, that spot, I will turn around and take it from west to east. And a lot of times what you will see is, even though you're casting at the same areas, mm-hmm. but just the shows like you're, um, you're casting from different angles. Right. And, and you know them fish are there or you're hoping them fish are there and also you'll catch to the same, we'll say a down tree in the water or a fish crib. And you're like, Oh my God, here we go. We got one up or we got one. You just cast it there 20 minutes or a half hour ago. But just by coming back through at a different angle, that that's something that, that had saved the day numerous times for us. That becomes really apparent too. When, when you're in thick cover, um, right. A lot of times those fish, you know, I mean, say you're in a really thick weed bed, those fish, um, they're buried in those weeds and, and it's ambush spots for them to, to be waiting for something to feed on. And right. You know, it depends on some of that too, I think, you know, and I, right. I don't know if you can relate, but, uh, that's one thing I would say for sure. Pick it up. Right. Yes, Definitely. Yeah, I mean, typically I fish a lot slower than a lot of guys would maybe um, because of that yep. too. Because, like you said, fishing solo, I need to pick it apart more. I want to make sure that I hit, you know, every different – I want to hit a few different angles and I want to hit it a few different times. Um, 
like I said, I, typically I don't hit a lot of spots. If I'm going to just play around that day, if it's a new lake, I'll fish it faster. Um, generally fish with a bucktail because it's obviously a, a lot quicker bait to fish with than, say, a glide bait or whatever. You could search a lot faster with it. Um, right. But like I said, it's just different tactics all the time. Yes, definitely. So going away from this weekend, guys, both of you were out a little bit. Um, Todd, it sounds like you were out a little more than Jeff. But, uh, oh, yeah. you know, what, what's the go-to tomorrow? You know, what are you guys going to start looking at now? Well, um, I'm hoping that I'm going to call in sick to work this week a couple days. I think Thursday and Friday I'm going to try to and get back up north because um, I won't be able to get out for the weekend. And I honestly, I... I had taken a bucktail completely off the table for the most part for this weekend. Um, <laughs> I, I had sometimes I'm guilty of going in with a plan, and if if I have a lot of time, I'll change the plan. But if I don't have a lot of time, I'm just gonna live or die with the plan, whether it be good or bad. That's just sometimes how I am. Um, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's you know just how I am. So I went in. I I packed some bucktails just in case, but. They weren't, I wasn't realistically figuring they were coming out of the box. And it's a possibility that this week I might actually consider using a bucktail now. Yes, I, I, I will agree. I, I would say this uh, this week here, um, I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't be opposed to start throwing uh, bucktails. It's pretty amazing over the weekend, um, you know, just on opener, um, different people that I talked to. Um, pro staffers and such that caught quite a few fish on some of our product over the weekend. So that was cool to hear. Um, oh yeah. Up to 52 inches. So, you know, I, it's one of them deals too, where, you know, slow rolling can change the game versus that high speed retrieve too. So you yeah. gotta think about that as well. And I know you've mentioned and touched on that too, um, Todd. But, right. Uh, the one thing I'll tell you, though, is sometimes me in northern Wisconsin, I take the bucktail off the table, but that doesn't mean that the guys up on Green Bay weren't catching them on bucktails. I mean, I know I for sure know of guys that have caught them out there this weekend on bucktails. You know, I I uh, saw a post and got a picture from Kevin Pischke, and he was out this weekend, and he got one on a bucktail. So the water temperatures on Green Bay, I'm guessing, aren't a whole lot you know, they're not a whole lot warmer than what I'm dealing with. So it's weird because the Green Bay guys on opener, a bucktail is absolutely on the table. But typically me in northern Wisconsin, it's not, which is weird because Green Bay is in northern Wisconsin. So well, right. one, of the pro, one of our pro staffers was over by the Hayward area and uh, was throwing a JR4 and uh, got a really nice fish too, upper mid 40s. So I, it's not unlikely for me. Um, I will a lot of times start with bucktails. And, you know, it's funny to me because a lot of the times here in Minnesota and what I always have preached is I go big right away from the start. You know, and the sure. old, the old uh, story that downsize when, in the, you know, in the spring, I go the opposite. And the reason I go the opposite is because the majority of those people are actually downsizing. And, um, so I want to be a little bit different and, um, being different sometimes can pay off too, you know, on big dividends. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, I said it multiple times in this podcast. I'll say it multiple times more. There's tons of different ways to catch these fish at different times of the year. And, you know, like we said, we've said it also on previous episodes already, Brad, is that like, if there was a tournament that, that day, somebody's going to catch one and, 
maybe it's the guy that's throwing the bucktail that day that gets all the action. You never know. Right. That, that there's no doubt about it. And, and tournaments are neat for that. You know, we talked touched on that before as well. Um, you know, tournaments give you kind of an idea of timeline. Um, and I do know, um, talking to John Betty um, just recently on the podcast, you know, he's down in Indiana fishing. Um, the timeline was really tight, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. The majority of the fish during a tournament were all caught in those 15 to 20 minutes. And what was that timeline? It was the major. So right. something to consider as well. And you got that information off your app and your phone, right, Brad? No, I get it off of uh, John Old Knight's book. Uh, <laughs> I'm old school. I told you this many times, Jeff. <laughs> you know, the funny part about it is I heard Todd talk about being old school. You're pretty old school. I'm thinking that we need to find some younger guests. <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> a couple of them this weekend that actually, uh, the one that got a 52, um, what is Bam, Todd, 24? Yeah, I want to say he's 24, 25. Yeah, he's somewhere around there. Well, Todd, how old are you? 44. 44. Well, see, so I'm the youngest one here. Todd's old school. Yeah. <laughs> Todd's old school. He's only two years older than me. So that's <laughs> okay, old school habits. Well, well how about that? Yeah, that's, one thing I got to tell you is I've always been into technology and stuff, and I think sometimes that helps me be maybe play out a little younger than my age. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I like yep. the technology side of things as well, but, um, you know, it's one of them deals when you get used to certain things and how you, uh, how you grew up fishing. And I think Todd, you probably, you know, you're talking about your uncle being a, an influence to your musky fishing. Right. He probably taught you some stuff and you haven't swayed a whole lot from that because it's, it works. It's successful. Right. So why do you change when you're having success? Right. And another thing, though, is, you know, I do stick to to those uh, those ways most of the time. But as we all know, if we don't change, especially chasing these fish, your success is going to go down pretty quick. So, um, yeah, I've learned to adapt, which um, has paid off big time, obviously. But uh yeah, if anybody anybody asks me, you know, what, you know, I had a few people actually contact me uh, Friday and Saturday and said, hey, you know, I'm going out here. What should I start out with? And um, I just told them, hey, this is what this is what I plan on doing. You know, this is just a suggestion. But you know what? If you're not having success with that, just switch it up because you're going to you're going to contact a fish. You know, it's just it's time on the water and being in the right place at the right time. Well, I think I'm, I a, firm, I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer that, you know, I mean, they're the apex predator of this uh, fresh water that we fish, and they will they dictate when and what they're going to eat, and uh, we just we just have to make the most of it when we're out there. Well, there's no doubt about that, you know, and it, it's time on the water. I think I said it a couple episodes ago that um, it really boils down to how hard you're willing to work, you know? Yes, yes. If you're uh, if you're one that put the time in and keep trying, and you're probably going to be successful. 
you know, if right. you're one that uh, gets burnt out after a few hours and you, you throw in the towel, guess what? You can't catch them from the couch. So Right. Yeah, exactly. Time, time on the water is a huge key to this whole success in the musky world. Right. 100%. Be a grinder. Yep, I'm going to say, because sometimes it's just perseverance and sometimes it's just you being stubborn and pig-headed and not wanting to get off the water, just wanting to keep grinding for one more bite. Because we all know it can just be, the next bite can be just be right around the corner. The next follow can be just right around the corner. I mean, the one that I, the yeah. follow I got on uh, yesterday, it, I was, I literally just had talked to my wife. I said, hey, I haven't seen anything yet. I'm probably going to get off the water. I can come back. We can hang out, you know, as a family yet tonight. And, uh, you know, 15 minutes later, that muskie shows up. Um, I mean, right. it's just, you know, it, I, so I spent the first four and a half hours on the water with nothing, assuming that I'm fishing water that doesn't even have muskies to next thing you know, there's one. And that's, I mean, had that one, had that one eaten, I mean, that would have been a amazing five hours on the water. Right. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's, it's about that. There's no doubt about it. You know, um, how many times you, can you say when you were on the water and you just gave it, well, we'll do one more hour. And that hour might be the golden hour, you know, and that relates back to those majors and minors as well. So right. put your time in, you know, when's a good time to fish whenever you have an opportunity, right? <laughs> right. But yeah. if, you, if you only have a few hours a day to fish, try to put everything in into um, perspective with the majors, the minors, the moonrise, moonset sunrise sunset use those key time frames to uh, make your the best of your hours that you can be on the water yeah exactly i, I agree 100 percent. so todd before we get out of here i guess um you know we've been trying to give our listeners something they can take away from it and i think there's a bunch of different things they can take away from this episode but i guess if there's like one thing maybe that helped uh change your game um is there is there one is there one specific thing you can give us? Is there one tip, one tactic you can give us? Uh, let me give you one. I'll I'll give you two, Jeff. Um, one I I cannot stress enough. Whether you fish in stained water or gin clear water, is figure eight or or do at least do a big oval. I've seen, you know, through the years and even this weekend, you know, I've witnessed guys that, that didn't and fish, you know, I mean, you can read a guy's body language when you see, oh man, I just, oh, there was one, um, I'm a firm believer, them fish, I've had it too many times where they've came out of nowhere. I mean, I'm in gin clear water, never seen it follow, never seen the fish and it comes out of nowhere. Um, as far as a tackle tactic is um, basically just pick your spots apart. I don't care if you're using your bucktails, rubber, top water. Is um, take your time, whether it's it, you're by yourself or you have multiple people in the boat. When you get to those spots that historically have produced fish for you, don't just blow through them. You know, take your time and pick them apart, especially this early season, because they are these fish are a little more lethargic, um, just coming out of the spawn. You definitely wanna you wanna put the 
odds in your favor of contacting fish by uh, going through them areas slower. And and I'm kind of like you, Jeff, is even throughout the whole season, I do fish a lot slower than most guys, even when I do have clients or friends in the boat, because I really, I'm, I'm a picker. And I like to pick them spots apart and make sure that when I leave that I feel, okay, I'm leaving this spot to go to spot B, knowing that we thoroughly went through that area and, and didn't leave any water unturned. I think that's, um, that's something that uh, we can all relate to. You know, patience becomes kind of the virtue, if you will. And um, being patient by picking things apart and right. just running and gunning. Don't get me wrong. There's times when running and gunning. Oh, yeah. After, and those, yeah. those times are generally when um, when the fish are really going. I mean, right. Then wind it up. Go faster. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but you're, exactly. you're right. This time of the year, slower can be better. There's no doubt. Right. So when, things are, one, when you're struggling, that's the time to really start digging and picking. I don't know if... Uh, if you want me to plug this in, but uh, I had one other thing about uh, my guide service and something I would like to share with everybody is people that don't know me, um, I donate two trips each year to the Wounded Warrior Project, two weekend trips. We do a summer and a fall trip. Uh, we've been doing that for the last six years. And I'm proud to say that uh, next summer, our summer trip will be held over in Minnesota and uh, Bosky Mayhem, Brad and Carrie Hoppy are coming aboard, and uh, we're going to put on a nice event over Minnesota for the Wounded Warrior Project, and which I will still have host my uh, fall trip here in Wisconsin, but uh, next year we will be doing a Minnesota trip, and I couldn't be happier to have uh, you guys involved and uh, be willing to help out with this trip. It's it's pretty it's a pretty awesome experience. From everything that you've told us, Todd, I mean, I I can't wait for that trip. And uh, you know, if we can make a difference in uh, one guy's life, it, it's all worth it for sure. Yep, and that's and that's the one thing that you know I've been doing this donating to them guys for six years now, and we all stay in contact. You know, whether it's a text message or an email or a phone call. Uh, all of us guys still still talk, uh, see how we're going, how life is. Um, the biggest thing is, is giving our veterans the time in the outdoors. And I've seen it, like I said, for six years. Um, when you meet them, highly respectful guys and women, and you get them in the boat, and you can tell that they're they're a little uneasy. But when they when they get on the water fish or no fish if it's just a boat ride or or whatever just watching them unwind and just being able to enjoy time in the outdoors and watching them kind of i want i want to say maybe like stress-free for that time to me is a win-win there's no doubt and actually todd you know what's neat is uh it's kind of fitting being memorial day weekend so right right you know, it, it's perfect timing to be talking about that actually so sure no we're really looking forward to it and uh i don't know maybe we can uh get jeff to come over and participate some too 
yeah no that would be great i mean it's a it's a cool experience and uh you know it's our way to give back to those that uh, gave so much for all of us and uh i used to make the the comment you know to you know in the first few years and say hey guys you know i'm, I'm sorry that you know, this is something small. I know there's bigger events, and, and I would get the same response time and time again. And they were like, don't ever think this is small. This means a lot to us that you are taking time out of your schedule to take us fishing or take us out on the water, you know, and, and it means a lot to them, you know, and it's cool, you know, and, and the emails that I've received from, you know, their their wives or family members, you know, on how they came home and that's all they talked about, you know, because, oh my God, we've seen a muskie or, you know, they got to see loons or just take a boat ride. You know, it was just, it, it just warms my heart. You know, it just makes a guy feel good. You know, it's the least we can do. That's awesome. What are, what are the dates of this, Todd? Uh, this one off the top of my head. Oh, Jeff, you're throwing this at me. I want to say this year, oh, man, it is the 22nd, 23rd of June. And then the first weekend in October is the fall dates. And then for next year, once our season is done here, we're going to get together with Brad Carey and uh, figure out our dates for the summer trip as well as my fall trip for next year to submit to the Woody Warrior Project. Sure. Well, when you guys know what, what the dates are, so that'd be 2020 that you're getting inv- involved, Brad? Correct. Correct. Yeah. You know, Todd has been telling me about this. Um, I've always been aware of it. Um, it's one of them deals where, you know, unfortunately, unless you really get in there and start digging it apart to try to figure it out, I never really knew exactly what that all entailed until Todd joined our pro staff and, um, you know, he kind of expressed what he's been doing and it's a phenomenal deal. It really truly is. And and some of the experiences that Todd has went through with that, um, <laughs> it, it definitely made me want to be involved immediately. It really did. So it's, um, it's something that's going to be uh, pretty life-changing the way it sounds as well, not only for them, but for ourselves as, as uh, manufacturers or yourself as a retailer. Um, we need to get more involved. And I mean, think about it. What's a weekend? What's what's three days right. now out of your life for something that uh, somebody went and did battle for uh, for their country and, and for all of us as individuals? So I think it's really cool and I'm super excited. We got some neat stuff kind of planned for it, and those plans will grow um, throughout the year here for next year. Yeah, well, I'll have to definitely consider doing getting involved with it. Um, I, I, one of my first years in business, I was involved with uh, one down in Madison. The I think it's Take a Vet Fishing. We did that, and that yeah. and that was a pretty cool event, also. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's there's tons of different um, organizations that do this you know and I, I from wounded warrior to what did you just call it take a vet fishing yeah i think that i think that was the event that we did down in madison it was take a vet fishing okay yeah that sounds about right jeff yep but um and i know up in the green bay area there's another group that's just forming and they're going to do kind of the same type of deal um 
it's all nonprofit stuff and most of it's donated and, you know, whether it be time or maybe it's a product or whatever it might be, but, you know, it, it's huge. And uh, if we can make a difference, I'm all about it, man. Let's, let's go after it. Oh, that, that's the cool thing about it. I mean, when we first started six years ago, it started as a one day trip. And uh, when I found out how many veterans signed up for it and, you know, I wanted to kind of keep it on a smaller scale. And uh, my wife, you know, she would pick up Subway or pizza or whatever they wanted. And, you know, we we provide lunch for them for the day or, you know. And then when I went to a weekend trip, she did the same thing, you know. And uh, then I got a few more friends and a couple companies involved that, hey, we, you know, we're going to, we'll make up some some cool product for them guys. Um, and now it's to the point where I have uh, good friends of mine, you know, Nick Erickson, and, uh, Jake Brame, Zach Iverson, that take time out and uh, they bring food. We do a cookout or chili dinner. Um, we also have a couple of the uh, Wounded Warrior alumni that have been out fishing with me in years past that now show up with their own boats. Um, they usually bring a, a, a friend of theirs that they were deployed with to fish the weekend and just to watch all these guys that don't know each other, but they have that one common bond on how they all become friends and you watch them exchange numbers and still stay in touch. Uh, we actually have one, which you're aware of, uh, Brad, that started his own guide service and, and not just, not just not really musky fishing, but just taking a vet out, whether it's a boat ride or pan fishing or walleye fishing. And it's a veteran or only um, company that he's doing that he only takes vets out. I mean, to watch how his life has changed since him and I first met is um, it, it's, it's unreal. It's awesome. That's good stuff. Well, maybe in the future, what we can do, Todd, is uh, try to get a couple of those vets on here and explain to uh, to the public kind of you know what that all entails and what it sure. is for them. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be, that would be really cool. It would certainly be something different, Brad. You and I know we've talked about it. Difference always good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what we want to do. We want to have a different kind of podcast that uh, that offers uh, the public something unique and. Uh, Definitely what we're talking about right here is something that's unique. And thank you, Todd, for taking your time to do it. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, and again, thank you and Carrie both for uh, last year for the, the awesome uh, DS4s, Mayhem Moons, you made up for them guys and uh, for wanting to be a part of this. It, it means a lot, not just to the veterans and everybody involved, but to my family and I it means a lot. That's cool. That's really cool. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, guys, I got the I got all the boxes checked. So, anybody have anything they want to add to this one yet? I hate to get, cut you off, but in the event to keep this one within our time frame, what do you think, Brad? We good on this episode? I think I am. You know, and the neat thing is, Jeff is uh, sounds like some really positive stuff for the Wisconsin opener, the Northern Wisconsin opener, and. Um, I don't know. The next time we talk on this uh, podcast, I will hopefully bring something to the table with uh, the Minnesota opener. So tonight, I'm Jeff. 
company name is Team Rhino Outdoors. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find my website at teamrhinooutdoors.com. Brad, why don't you tell people where to find you? Yeah, I'm Brad Hoppy, um, co-owner of Musky Mayhem Tackle. You can find us on uh, Instagram, Facebook. Um, our website is muskymayhemtackle.com. And love to have you take a look at our products. And, uh, yeah, that's, How about- that's just there. How about Todd? Why don't you share um, where people can get in contact with you? Yeah, um, Todd Schultz, owner and operator of Muskie Moon Guide Service. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, you can go to my website at muskymoonguideservice.com. Cool. I was going to say, last and uh, not least, um, Backlash Podcast. Um, yes, we have a email. You can reach us, backlashpodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram page. I think there's one post. And we also have a Facebook page. Uh, that would be Backlash Podcast on Facebook. You can currently find us at, let me see here, what are my notes? We're currently on Spotify and Podbean for this podcast. We're hoping to be on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn within the next week. And when we finally get that stuff all set up, we'll start to push this podcast out to even more people. Until then, I guess uh, there's nothing else I need to add. You got anything else anybody else wants to add quickly? Uh, I don't think so. I- yeah, I don't have anything, but uh, thank you guys for the opportunity to talk with you guys tonight. It was my pleasure. I, I guess, I guess, Brad, there, no problem. there is one Thanks thing I guess I'd it. like to add. I forgot when we mentioned the email. If you wanted to be a guest on the podcast, you could certainly email us also. We for sure would take requests on that because I'd imagine if we had more guests, Brad, we could probably fit a couple extra episodes in here and there, I would imagine, right? There's no doubt, you know, I mean, between the two of us and and the people that we work through, uh, I'm going to guess there's no shortage of guests, but you know what? Hey, you want to get out here and you want to be heard? You got something that uh, you would like to share with the public? We'd love to take that opportunity. Especially if your age demographic is less than 40 years old, because apparently we're a little too old school. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. (laughs) That's probably valid, you know, but uh, I've, I've got a couple of young guys up my sleeve. I can bring them Yeah, up. well, I figured we'd work it in eventually. I didn't realize, you know, that there was going to be this much old school in this podcast, and I don't consider any of us old, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, it's not always a bad thing. No, that's for sure. No, no. Well, that was episode four of the Backlash podcast. I hope that uh, some people enjoyed it. I know I had a good time talking to Todd tonight, and thanks for joining us, Brad, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks, Thank you, guys.